0: Hi out there, I'm Pat Paul, and I'd like to welcome you to my show, Beat Northwest. Every week, we talk with someone from the visual arts or the performing arts, and this week, Simon Hanselman, graphic novel sensation, is here. His comics have been collected in a series of novels published by Fantagraphic Books, and his adventures of Meg, Meg, and L have been New York Times- Best sellers. Simon now has a worldwide popular and cult following. In 2018, the series was awarded a top prize at the prestigious Anguilim International Comics Festival and is currently published in 13 languages.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: His show at BAM, which just opened, that's Bellevue Arts Museum, just opened last week and it shows sculptural vignette bignettes representing his comic figures, plus the original drawings for his new book, Bad Gateway, which is not published yet, but it's coming out soon, right, Simon? Uh,
1: July 30th, yes. July 30th. All good bookstores.
0: Well, welcome to the show, Simon. Thank you, Pat. And we're so happy you live in Seattle now and could come in for the show.
1: Yeah, I'm a local.
0: You're a local. That's great. But before we get started with the interview, let's talk about some art happenings in our area. At Admire Wood Gallery, on until May 31st, Alessandro Gallos clay sculptures with normal human bodies and animal heads that have been wildly popular in Europe are there. And the sculptures feel as if they've been pulled from the deepest recesses of the imagination. They are really weird. And this is... uh, a new work. These are all new works from the Italian born, but a Montana based artist. Mm. It's disconcerting, but amazing sculpture. You got to go see it and mm-hmm. admire wood. And then uh, another thing going on, coming up, tickets are now available for a new event called Thing at historic Fort Warden in Port Townsend on August 24th and 25th. And this is organized organized by STG, and it's actually an all-ages event with those under 13 free, and it'll be a fresh alternative for music and arts enthusiasts. And it features three primary stages and promises uh, music, visual arts, dance, comedy, food, and other things. Tickets at stgpresents.org or thingnw.org. This looks like a great excuse for a short trip out of Seattle Mm -hmm. for the weekend.
1: Sounds Sounds good. Sounds lovely.
0: We'll be right back talking with Simon Hanselman about his graphic novels on Artbeat Northwest. Support for Artbeat Northwest with Pat Polly comes from Pratt Fine Arts Center, offering year-round classes for youth, teens, and adults. Located in the central area, Pratt is the only facility in the Northwest where absolute beginners and established professional artists work side-by-side, creating art in glass, metal, stone, and wood sculpture, jewelry, and metal smithing, painting, drawing, printmaking, and mixed media. Learn more and register for classes at pratt.org. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Oh Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest, New York Times bestselling author and artist with a new show at Bellevue Arts Museum is here to talk with us, Simon Henselman. That music we just heard was a bit of Simon's music, and he's going to be playing at the Bellevue Arts Museum preview party this coming Thursday night. So you can hear him. So be there. Uh, Simon, how would you explain your art and your writing to radio listeners?
1: Well, um, I mean, it's comics. I mean, it's like what we, you know, the Peanuts or, you know, Nancy or, you know, traditional comic strips in a way. But a bit, a bit more modern, I guess. You know, The Simpsons is an influence. It's, you know, it's it's comics for adults. It's just, you know, it's just graphic literature.
0: Gra- now, how do you... Uh, how do you explain that this uh, graphic literature that you call it has really struck a chord across the world? I mean, you have it translated into 13 languages. How do you explain its popularity with so many people?
1: Yeah, I find it shocking myself. <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of comics now are web comics. They're on the Internet, but mo- most of my stuff is just in print. So it is surprising to me in this digital age with iPads and Netflix that uh, people are still reading comics that young people are still reading comic books uh, so I don't know I, I got lucky I you know I put a lot of work out I, I put my heart and soul into these characters and I guess people around the world have uh, identified with them and uh, you know found something themselves in the characters empathized with them I don't know but you know it's good I get to keep making them.
0: That's great now let's talk about your characters where did you get your characters? There are certain very interesting characters that people your comics.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a witch, a, a cat, and an owl uh, that live together, sort of an anthropomorphic, human-sized owl. Um, I, I guess that sort of sort of represents their outsider status in society. They're these sort of, you know, it's not, there's no magic in the comic. It's predominantly about sort of like, you know, social structures, like them living together, like, you know. Three, you know, people on the cusp of 30 living together and, you know, not really treating themselves or each other that well. It's sort of, you know, bad social dynamics There's a bit of, you know, drug abuse and stuff in there. It's, it's a silly comedy, but it's also quite serious. Uh, but yes, they're a witch, a cat and an owl, um, you know. That's
0: and where a, did you get those?
1: Oh, it just sort of happened. Uh, I, mean, I was drawing a lot of witches uh, in 2008 when I was living in London for a time. And I, I grew up on a British children's book series called Meg and Mogg. By Helen Nicol and Jan Pienkowski. That's Megan Mogg with just one G. Mine have two Gs. So I was drawing all these witches and a cat, and I thought I wanted to do a sort of sitcom esque, but kind of dark comic. And I, I, you know, oh, I'll call them Megan Mogg, like those kids' books. And I didn't really think about it at the time. (laughs) I I, I worried for years that Penguin Random House would uh, uh, send a cease and desist and shut me down. But. That, oh, that,
0: because of copyright.
1: Yes, but uh, Penguin Random House is publishing My Megan Mog in Latin America now. So, oh really? So, so they're, <laughs> they're aware of me. Part they're, of
0: your team now.
1: Yes. So they're not shutting me down, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> or, yeah, or maybe they still don't know, and they will. Maybe they'll find <laughs> out and like, hey, oh, yeah, there's these kids' books. And, what are you doing, Hanselman?
0: <laughs> well, it's a totally different audience, right? Yours is not aimed at kids. It is not. But who exactly is your audience? I know it's worldwide. Yeah. But uh, can you can you talk about ages or lifestyles or?
1: I, I think it crosses lots of demographics. It's, you know, it's for disaffected youth. It's for people that just enjoy comics as a medium. Like you know, comics is a pretty close knit kind of community. You know, you know, it's, it's not. Uh, young adult comics are booming. They're selling millions of copies. So uh, Raina Telgemeier, this woman, she makes great stuff for kids, and it's. So yeah, so many young women are reading these comics. It's going to really like shape and change comics for the better, I think, in the future. But uh, yeah, I don't really know who's reading my work. Oh, just uh, all sorts of people. It seems like just from all walks of life. I I read my Goodreads reviews, and I I see a wide demographic of people. You know, young and old, and all sorts of lifestyles. So, uh,
0: why do you think the sales of actually? You call them comics, but everyone else calls them graphic novels. Yeah. Why are they on the rise even though book sales are down? I mean, what does that say about uh, today's readers or your literature or whatever?
1: It's an interesting thing with so many variables. So, you know, like comics in the 80s and 90s, pre internet, like a floppy alternative comic, like the kind of stuff I make. They'd be selling, like, you know, twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 units, but it's not shifting like that, like, those sort of units anymore. I mean, back then, record stores were getting, you know, comics in. People were desperate for content. There was no Netflix. There was no streaming, you know. Uh, so, I don't know. The sales are still there, though. Like you said, I, I don't know. Comics are still proving to be quite venerable and, and popular. And, and all these young women are reading these comics now. And, you know, it's the, the Marvel movies are, you know... I I don't know if that's directly translating to comic sales. I think people are enjoying the mainstream Hollywood superhero blockbusters, but they're not then going out and buying the superhero comics. Uh, It's a a weird world. It's it's the Wild West right now with all this digital media, you know.
0: So uh, I think the listeners might be uh, interested too in uh, what materials and methods you use to create your art because, you know, uh, I just assumed that you did everything on – you know, uh, a
1: computer. No, no, I don't touch a computer at all. So what do you do? (laughs) Just it's traditional media. I I draw on, you know, watercolor paper or sometimes just computer paper, just cheap consumer goods. And I use food coloring and and pencils and I don't use any computers. I can't use computers. I I grew up without a computer and I I find them strange and alienating and uh, I don't like to use them in my art. I I like the visceral, you know, the visceral physical quality of making art as well, of mixing my colors. And and we spend so much time on screens these days in our daily lives. Like, I don't want to be on a screen making art.
0: But your art is so labor-intensive. Like, in the show at the Bellevue Arts Museum, they have all of the art for your next book. Yeah. And it's so detailed. And there's so much of it. It must take you forever to complete these things.
1: Well, it's, it's written up on the wall in the gallery, uh, 3,764 hours. I'm, I'm very mathematically minded when I work. And <laughs>
0: oh, wow.
1: So I, I counted the hours. I logged all my hours. And, and I like all the work up on the wall like that. You, you don't have to engage with it as a comic. You can just see it as this big block of work. It's just one year of my life just obsessively working 16-hour days. And just producing this, etching away this this story. So I hope that people if they don't even if they don't want to engage with it as a comic, as a story, they can just appreciate the work and just this large tapestry style block of, of little colorful drawings.
0: Well, let's talk about your your show at the Bellevue Arts Museum. Sure. And how that's related to your uh comic art or your graphic art.
1: Yeah.
0: And how did you possibly now, you're not a sculptor. No. But how did you manage to put that together? I mean, I think it's really amusing how you found, use kind of found materials. and Yeah. Uh,
1: so I, I wanted to bring the comics into the 3D world. Like, that was my idea. They said, what do you want to do? Like, you're a local cartoonist, uh, you know. What would you want to do? What kind of comic show would you like to see? And, and I said I wanted to, you know, build these light-controlled rooms and make these life-size vignettes and have strobe lights and... And just bring the characters into, into, you know, into our world. So you can, you know, fans of the book can sort of, it's like Disney World in a way. It's Megan Mogg, Disney World. You can step into these worlds and really smell it and see it. And hopefully people who aren't familiar with the work will also connect with the, you know, sort of themes running through it, you know. It's,
0: well, it's amazing to me that even though, you know, all of your work has just been, you know, uh, flat, that you were able to translate this so accurately into sculpture. I mean, you yeah. really were. And and there's two kinds of sculpture. There, the big sculpture with mannequins, yeah. which is really interesting. And you know, the vignettes. Some of them uh, have really interesting effects. And then also your tiny sculpture.
1: Yeah, I mean, BAM has a history of sort of ceramic work and sculpture, so I also wanted to, Oh, know, okay. I, I just wanted to make some little sculptures as well. I was making the big ones, and, and it was just fun to make these small little sculptures, and, and I, I just, I wanted it to be a multifaceted kind of show. I didn't want it to just be comics. I wanted to have different things going on, different things for people to engage with.
0: And I understand the director of the Bellevue Arts Museum contacted you to try to, get an exhibit going is that correct
1: yeah he he, you know he'd been previously aware of my work and contacted me and asked me to pitch him and i I kind of said like you know (laughs) like a a crappy disney world but you know and he was kind of ooh intrigued and
0: well but he knows how popular are worldwide and he's thinking we have this treasure right here in seattle we need to have an exhibit that ties into all of his books
1: yeah, there's a, there's a deep history in the Pacific Northwest of great comics artists and uh, uh, Fanagraphics, my local publisher, has been here for like 35 years in Seattle. And uh, a, a lot of amazing cartoonists have lived and do live here. And, yeah, you, know, you know, when I moved here, I was like, you know, I was very, you know, I was like, oh, the history here is, you know, it's interesting.
0: So it's probably a good place for you to be, actually.
1: It is, yeah. It's a comics town. Seattle is known as a, you know, an amazing American- know
0: they have. Comic Con and
1: yeah, the short run, a festival here in uh, November. Uh, Kelly Fro, uh, she puts it on. It's a great small press comics festival. It really is. It's too, yeah, it's a great show.
0: Now let's talk about your youth, uh, oh. growing up. Uh, Tasmania. Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the beautiful place, and uh, you <laughs> ended up. Uh, uh, leaving Tasmania, why don't you talk about your growing up there, and then why you left?
1: Well, I mean, it's not much for young people to do there. I've I started self-publishing uh, zines, like little you know zines, magazines, self-published magazines, zines. Uh, since I was eight, I started self-publishing. I always wanted to be a cartoonist, always wanted to be an artist. And there's there's nothing to do as a child in Tasmania. Like we have lovely rainforests and good food and good wines, but it's you know it's it's kind of rough, uh, you know. There's. <laughs> There's, you know, there's a lot of unemployment there and a lot of drug abuse. Oh, really? There's not much for the youth to do. They all hang out at a skate park down by the river and smash bottles. And <laughs> yeah, I was bullied a lot as a child. I, you know, I'd wear a scarf in winter and I'd have slurs thrown at me from cars. And, <laughs> and so I, it's cold. I'm wearing a scarf. So, I, you know, I felt too sensitive for it. I, it's it's sports driven. It's macho. I've I wrestled with, like, I'm a cross-dresser. I've, I've wrestled with, like, gender stuff my whole life. So... Growing up in a very small, conservative, sort of macho town, it was very interesting to have this, this weird, like, you know, weird gender feelings. Uh, you know, it was challenging. So I, I got the hell out of there. But yeah. you've
0: published your first comic there at age eight, yes, right? Yes,
1: yes. I just started selling little comics I made on the uh, the playground. i yeah, my f- my friend's father owned a wood heater storefront, and uh, we'd go to the office and use his his uh, Xerox machine and make you know facsimiles of our little books. And Yeah, the bug bit me, and I've I've not stopped doing it like Peter Pan. I've never grown up, and I'm still just publishing little cartoon chap booklets.
0: So, what happened with you when you first got? Uh, how did you get off Tasmania then? Uh,
1: I I met a friend. I, I've been in bands my whole life as well. Played. Strange music projects. Uh, so I met someone on the mainland in Melbourne who we started touring, and he said, you know, if you want to move to Melbourne on the mainland and get out of Tasmania, you could live at my house uh, for free for a while. It was his mother's house. He, he has cystic fibrosis, a chronic illness. He's my, my oh. best friend, still my best friend to this day and my, my sort of writing partner. And, and he's uh, still cystic
0: he, fibrosis is so hard It's people. a
1: killer. He's 30 now. It's getting quite rough. But I lived with him and his mother in their car garage and got on my feet. After that, I moved to London. I've I've traveled around. I've, you know, you know it's good. To, it's good to get out and broaden your horizons as an artist or as as a writer or as just just. A so, human how did being. you
0: end up in the U.S. and particularly in Seattle?
1: Well, I, I married an American. Uh, my uh, my wife uh, started out. Uh, we were working together on the book. She works at my publisher, and we've been working for a few years on this uh, big performance piece I did, where I got married to comics and. But we eventually met and just fell in love. And I've I've not left the U.S. I, I, you know, I'm very happily married and been here uh, almost four years now.
0: And your wife, Jack. Yes. Uh, Jack Cohen. Yes. Uh, j- short for Jacqueline. I. Yes. Assure, yes. Uh, is your is really kind of your business manager, isn't she?
1: Well, uh, I mean, she's a publicist at my publisher it's you know but we worry about it it's kind of like a conflict of interest like you know we'd like to keep it very professional we don't want other artists thinking like oh he's getting better treatment or something like yeah you know so you have to be careful with that kind of thing uh but you know we're both passionate about you know weird comic books for adults and you know the arts and and rabbit rescue we do a lot of rabbit rescue as well oh so. yeah
0: we've got to talk about your rabbits too but it's already time for a break it's all there in us <laughs> We're here talking with Simon Hanselman about his graphic novels and his new show at Bellevue Arts Museum. We'll be right back. From new exhibitions to community events, Bellevue Arts Museum is always new, always different, and always exciting. Featuring a school of over 400 glass fish from makers around the world. School, the Joseph Rosato Salmon Project, highlights the plight of global salmon and steelhead populations and recognizes current conservation efforts. See it at BAM from April 12th through August 11th and save the date for the 2019 Artful Event Auction Gala on Saturday, June 29th. Artful Evening is BAM's most fun, festive, and important fundraising event of the year, supporting world-class exhibitions and essential community programming. Get tickets and learn more at bellevuearts.org. Alternative Talk 1150,
1: here to uplift your day.
0: Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. New York Times bestselling author and artist with a new show at Bellevue Arts Museum is here to talk with us. Simon Hanselman, very successful artist in lives in Seattle.
1: You're too kind, Pat. Flattering me.
0: <laughs> well, we got to do it because you're not flattering yourself. We need to keep it positive here. Now, here's something I want to ask you about. You are a worker bee because you told me you work long hours on your comics and how do you explain your huge work ethic, which it is, when your comic characters don't (laughs) seem to have any.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a a few interviewers came around to my house the last week. I think they'd seen the show (laughs) and expected me to live like the characters in the show. (laughs) But I'm quite fastidious and uptight and the house was very neat and had been vacuumed recently. (laughs) But yeah, I, I just always liked delving into work I mean I think it was a therapeutic thing when I was younger just to escape from reality just you know to work like comics is an all to medium it's like when I'm when you're drawing a comic you're writing it you're drawing it you're creating it you're doing everything you're building a you know a visual two-dimensional film up from nothing so it's very immersive so I think I just would escape into it and you know look work's not going to get done if you sit around if you sit around watching Game of Thrones your work's not going to get done so you know, I I just I like it. I I like chasing the feeling of finishing something as well. So you know, with the book, I worked like sixteen hour days towards the end of last year. I was doing eight hour days for the first like half of the year, and then I just I had a deadline. I just switched to like sixteen hour days. I worked and I slept. And...
0: But you must have had some uh, connection with the drug culture uh, oh. to have all of the subject matter of your. Uh, graphic novels because yes. they do deal with people who are having problems with drugs and yeah. other social ills.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, my mother was a you know, heroin addict, and you know, uh, you know, dealt a lot of drugs when I was growing up. There are a lot of you know bad types around the house, or just you know, and, and good people, just people who are doing it rough and just addicted and. You know, my father was a biker, a Satan's rider. So, you know, I come from like a crime family, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So I just I grew up around people like that. And when I moved to Hobart in Tasmania, I, I grew up in Launceston. I moved further further south to Hobart because I met some artists there, and it was a bit better there. But you know, a lot of them, you know, you know, mental illness, bipolar, and alcoholics, and just you know, the music scene and the art scene. You know, people are abusing substances and. So, you know, I've been around that a lot. And uh, you know, I'm documenting it now. It's You know, my mother's still battling with this, you know, addiction. And, you know, it's, it's the opioid crisis is, you know, a serious thing. And so, Well, know.
0: I know, uh, you know, the, the lives of people in the United States, have, they just came out with it. They're shortened hmm. from what they were before. I mean, the average lifespan yeah. because of drugs, especially yeah. they're blaming fentanyl.
1: Which oh yeah
0: shouldn't even be out there.
1: Oh, fentanyl's monstrous. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's you know it's it's crazy all over the world. This is happening. Like Tasmania, we're seeing tent cities apparently, and, uh, and you know it's, it's a tough cycle to break out of. So like you know, Meg and Mog, what I do, it's a comedy really, but you know it gets quite dark at times. It's you know it's like life. Life is upbeat and breezy and funny sometimes, and other times you know there's deep grief and just you know crushing sadness and. So I I write a silly animal comic about the spectrum of human experience. I I take it very seriously.
0: Now, do you think reading your books has a tendency to have people embrace or reject the kind of drug lifestyle?
1: Uh, I mean, I read my Goodreads reviews, and I I, I sense that most people view it as a what not to do kind of thing. Like, these characters are terrible. Or, Or people will say, oh, these remind me of people I used to live with in my 20s. Thank God I don't have to hang out with these people anymore. So I, I think people look on them with just, you know a, a bit of a distant gaze, but a lot of people also see themselves in there, yes. you know a lot of you know a lot of people see themselves in the characters that, that are struggling and I see myself in them I you know it's tough. daily existence is uh, you know it's challenging for a lot of people.
0: Well, do you think these give people more uh, empathy toward people who are you know have been unfortunately, hooked on drugs and um uh... i
1: think so you know i i hope so i i think yeah i mean just talking to the docents at the at bam the bellevue art museum and uh, yeah i think people are seeing past the the facade of cartoonness you know the cartooniness of the show and they're seeing all the, the sadness in the characters and you know and thinking about what's going on in the world right now and all this you know crazy stuff we're dealing with so you ha- have
0: you personally had any uh Drug abuse problem in the past at all?
1: Hang on, my, my lawyer's next to me. that They're, they're <laughs> advo- advising me to say no comment.
0: Oh, no comment. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> we'll take that. Um, now, how will you manage... Now, here's the thing. With, with your comics, um, your audience is continually changing. How do you plan to... Uh, as you grow older, maintain your audience?
1: I think, uh, yeah, well, I mean, the, I want the characters to grow up. Uh, you know, as I grow up, I'll be, you know, processing my 30s once I'm in my 40s and my, you know, 40s when I'm in my 50s. So I want the characters to grow up and reflect the passage of time. So that may alienate, you know, younger people who may, you know, potentially come on. And But, you know, I'm hoping it'll be a big saga. You know, people can read the early stuff. You know, kids in the future in, like, 2050 or something, they can read the old fun ones from, you know, the early 2000s and then, you know, slowly work their way up to the depressing ones about me being ill in in 2050.
0: And then I've also heard that they're going to make a movie from your books.
1: Oh, I signed like a shopping agreement. I've turned down like four TV networks and cable networks. I'm really cagey about selling the TV rights to this because, as I said earlier, comics is an autonomous art form. I, I have full control over what I do as an artist and a writer. So selling it off into the Hollywood system, it's, you know, they're my babies. Yeah. But, but yeah, I signed a shopping agreement. And you don't feel you know. like you have the control. No, I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd be giving control over to somebody else. If I trust them, then, yeah. you know. So, you know, I've got a shopping agreement. It's, you know, it's going around like, a, you know, it might happen. But if it doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world because I've, I've got the comics and that's, that's what I love.
0: Well, that's great. Well, good luck with that. But we are already running out of time. Can Woo. you believe that? now, what is the best way to find out more about your work and buy your books?
1: Uh, well, if you've got the, the Instagram, I guess you can follow me on Instagram. I don't have a website, but I'm at simon.hanselman on the Instagram.
0: And but, I suppose Amazon has all your books. Yeah,
1: Amazon's got the books. Fantagraphics is my publisher, so fantagraphics.com. I mean, you just Google. Just Google Megan Mogg or Simon Hanselman. That's what I do these days, just Google oh. everything.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much, Simon, for being on the show. Thanks
1: for having me, Pat. It's been a blast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, nice talking to you.
1: Lovely view out of the studio here. (laughs) Yeah. Top class. Isn't
0: Eric Lucky here? And be sure to listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. drive time for Artbeat Northwest. I'm your host, Pat Pauly, signing off on Alternative Talk 1150. Have a great creative week.